You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 88. And on this episode, I welcome Brendan Kumarasamy. As the founder of Master Talk, he coaches individuals to become the top communicators in their field. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Today, he is going to share tips that will help you become a rock star communicator. Brendan, welcome to the show. Heather, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me. Uh, knowing your your background and having watched some of your YouTubes, I have to say I was a little tongue-tied giving your introduction, wondering if I was communicating effectively and being concise. But before we get to your tips and maybe even your critique of the way that I speak, I thought we would start with you sharing your story and how it was that you became interested in the art of communication. Absolutely, Heather. Happy to talk about that. So it all started when I was in business school. I had zero aspirations to be a communication expert or to be an entrepreneur. The goal for me was just to get a great job. You know, my parents immigrated from Sri Lanka, and I was the first person in my lineage of families to be born in a first world country like Canada. So my goal is just to get a great job. So I went to business school and I studied accounting out of all things that a communication coach would study. And in accounting, I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while the guys my age were playing like football or rugby or baseball, I wasn't one of those guys, Heather. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students on how to communicate ideas, and that's why I accidentally developed a skill on how to teach other people how to speak. And that's what led to Master Talk and the YouTube channel, frankly, that later turned into a coaching business in the mission, which was, hey, nobody is really sharing these tips for free online. So I became one of the first people to do that, and here we are today. And before the show, we were talking about how critically important it is to be able to communicate effectively. The audience is spending a lot of time, effort, and energy to get a degree to make themselves known, recognized in their field. They're going to have conducted research. They're going to have these brilliant ideas. But what good are they if they can't get them out there into the world. So what you're doing is so critically important, especially for my audience. Where do you start with people and helping them understand the the key skills or the key tools that they need to communicate well? Absolutely, Heather. So I always start the conversation with this, and I'm glad that you told me about the audience a little before we started here, is I always start from a place of empathy with the PhDs that I've helped in my career, which is their career, their education is really focused on being detail-oriented. So as they're doing a lot of research, they're doing a lot of studies, they're doing a bunch of user interviews and case studies, and they're building up, and of course, looking at what other people have done in their field, so they're not duplicating of the work and retesting some of the hypotheses hypothesis of their thesis. When they're working on such detail-oriented work, their communication, which is the unfortunate consequence of that, 
which is the nature of the game, becomes a lot more detail-oriented too. This is why we see a lot of PhDs when they communicate their, their dissertation in a thesis defense, or after the PhD is done and they go into the corporate world, the, aka the real world, the communication that they started with that they've been constantly conditioned for, what, five, six years, is that communication then transition to the real world, which is not a good thing. Because now we're communicating with people who might not have advanced degrees, who might not be in the same audience, who might not understand the technical jargon that we spent four or five years mastering. And that's what creates that type of communication. So it's understanding that awareness first. And then once we do that, then we can figure out what to do about it for sure. But does that resonate with, with you since yeah, you as well? As you were talking, I was thinking one of my daily tasks is... Heather, how can you say that with fewer words? <laughs> can you say that with fewer words? I'll I'll write an email and then I before I send it, I read it and go, can you cut it in half? Because you're right, we are trained to have to talk about every single angle of the problem, every single paradigm, you know, that could be used to discuss this, whatever it is, fill in the blank, and then People, I think, may tune us out. <laughs> we use too many words. Absolutely, Heather. I completely agree. Right, And it's that pressure of, oh my God, when I do my, my thesis defense, I need to make sure that I get every little detail right or else the, the academics or the people on the panel are going to poke holes in my logic and my argument. But the problem is we bring that rationale into the boardroom too, into every other area of our life. So how do we fix that? The way that we fix that is by starting with the following. Communication for me, Heather, is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So one of those balls is body language, storytelling, facial expressions, and the list goes on. So the strategy now becomes... What are the three easiest balls that we can juggle with our communication to help get this conversation started? Because you're right, and I have this experience as well with the same audience. A lot of these people are super busy, right? They they don't might not have time to spend, you know, 10 hours a week working on their communication. So what's the easy 80-20 that we can compromise on? Let's do each ball at the same time. So you can jump in as well. So I'm not monologuing for 20 minutes here. So the first ball is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like school, like screen, like laptop, and create random presentations out of thin air. And this helps us with two different things. One, it helps us think on our feet. And the second one is a, is a quote I tell clients, which is, if you can make sense out of nonsense, Heather, you could make sense out of anything. And this strategy is specifically useful for PhDs who are always in the mindset of, I need to always be perfectly correct in everything I say. So this exercise is 10 times more effective for this audience because it really forces them to get out of their comfort zone and literally make things up on the fly around coffee cup or mug. So the, the training and the progress is a lot faster for this I love this idea of exercising the, I call it the agility or the nimble muscle. And you need to be able to, uh, Mark Woods calls it flexicute, kind of change things on the fly as you're going through an arduous program sometimes. Uh, go with the flow, <laughs> right? A lot of a lot of doctoral candidates are very linear, black and white. We have a plan. When things don't go to the plan, it can cause some uncomfortable feelings. So I love this idea of you take a random word and can you can you give us an example when you say presentation are we talking 10 minutes are we talking a minute like if I were to say to you pen what would you say 
Absolutely. So for those who are listening to this podcast, Heather did not give me the word pred prior to this conversation. It's Sunday night, Heather, and I'm, as always, you know, being the high performer that I am, like many people listening to this podcast, I'm using a pen to describe some of the ways that I could do better this week. What are some responsibilities, some tasks that I can work on? And the reason I like writing things down, though sometimes I, I really should do that more often, is it really helps me retain that information. But a lot of us, we take the pen for granted. It's such a simple invention. But if we didn't really have any, or pencils for that matter, what would we do to write down information on a piece of paper? So I encourage all of you to use your pen this week, not just to write down what are your responsibilities for this week, but also to think about the deeper questions of your life. Here's one. How would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? Take your pen out and write down the answer to that question, and I think it'll help you reflect on how your PhD, how your expertise, how what you've spent almost a decade honing can be used to really change the world. That's the random word exercise. I love that. I love that exercise. I can't wait to do that. It would be fun to do with your family, too, around the dinner table. Hey, next time you're out and the conversation is lagging, say, let's do the random word exercise. <laughs> exactly. I love that you're already thinking ahead with this, Heather. You're absolutely right. The best way to do this and to hold yourself accountable, because the first thought in your audience's mind right now is, I don't have time for this. This is not something I want to do. So here's the key. Everyone's got five minutes. You've already spent five or 10 listening to this podcast. So you got five, 10 minutes. Now the key is, how do we implement it? And one suggestion that you brought in, which is absolutely spot on, is to integrate in your family life. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have children, especially younger children, you can have them do the random word exercise and watch them not care about the fear of rejection. They'll just do it. And that will inspire you to do it more often. And you could even do it driving in the car. You could see something on the side of the road, right? These are little skills that you could pick up and things you could hone and probably, I'm guessing, have a cumulative impact, right? So you do this for a month, two months, three months, and you start realizing you're feeling more comfortable. Thinking on your feet, I guess, is where that ball comes into play. I completely agree, Heather. That's exactly right. And the other piece as well that's worth mentioning is not to compare yourselves to me because I've done this exercise 3,000 times. So when you start doing the exercise and you get you know, pen, it might sound something more like, uh, yeah, so Heather, uh, pen is like uh, what I use to write. So it's okay. It won't sound great at the beginning. But what I tell people that I'll tell your audience is we don't get points on how well we do the exercise. We get points on how many times we do the exercise. And that's the mindset I'd love for all of you to just take to the bank, which is, am I doing this a lot? And what I will emphasize for this industry specifically is it doesn't take a lot of reps to differentiate yourself from this industry. And what I mean by that, Heather, is really ask yourselves for any PhD in any field, how many of them are actually willing to do the random word exercise a hundred times total in their life? And you're already laughing because you already know the answer. The answer is really, really tiny. I'm, I'm coaching this one PhD in AI. So for her, it's literally, she's the only person in the world probably doing the random word exercise in her field. And that's really the key. So it's not about getting to Brendan or even Heather, because you're a great communicator, right? But it's really about saying, how do I do those little actions every day that 95% of my industry isn't even thinking about, let alone doing? And it could really differentiate you. I'm thinking it's maybe one of those micro habits everyone's talking about, right? 
Okay, so we've got ball number one, random word exercise. Absolutely. What's ball number two? Exactly. That's the right question. So ball number two is the question drill. We get asked questions our entire life, Heather, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, definitely when we're creating our, our thesis and defending our dissertation, there's a lot of questions there around the research and the assumptions that we're using. So we're always getting asked questions. But a lot of us, Heather, were reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. So we wait for the question to appear and then we go, uh, and then we answer it. So a few years ago, when I started guesting on podcasts, I definitely wasn't as articulate as I am today. So back then, when somebody asked me the question, where does the fear of communication come from? I looked at them and I said, uh, I don't know, dude, Los Angeles, uh, San Diego, like I was really lost. I didn't really know the answer. Like a lot of professionals in my space don't really know the answer to that question or well enough, I would argue. But now the, the point became, what did I do about it? How do I become more proactive? So every single day, Heather, for five minutes, I wrote down and answered one question, just one, that's it, that I thought the world would ask me about my expertise, my products, or my services. Or if you're somebody in a corporate career, it could be about your career. And I did that every day for five minutes. But if you do that for a year, Heather, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry, and you'll be unbeatable. So that's the question, Joe. So my mind is going a bunch of different places. First, though, before I lose this thought, I want to ask you, where does the fear of communication come from? Do you have an answer now? I do. I do. And and it's more anecdotal, which I, I think helps us understand this better. So the, the question to ask ourselves, Heather, is where does the fear of communication start? Where do we give presentation? Because that's where the habit probably starts or begins. And the answer for most of us is the education system. Elementary school, high school, that's where we begin the habit of formal presentations, regardless of which country your audience lives in. But given that, there's three fundamental problems with all of those presentations, Heather. The first one is all of them are mandatory. So you don't wake up one morning and say, Heather, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is you're never really practicing something you're passionate about. So when you're going up to your teacher, the teacher doesn't say, Heather, what are you passionate about? Psychology, books, education. No, it's you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. And then after you're done that, you got to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're just looking at your teacher thinking, I don't even live in Missouri. Like, why do I have to give a presentation on that? And that's every presentation we have to give pretty much in the education system. And then you think that's bad. What about number three? Every presentation, it boggles my mind that we put 12, 13, 14-year-old kids through this process, like literally all of them in the world. All of the presentations are punishable, Heather. So if you don't do a great job, not only do you not get a pat on the back, you get a slap in the face and you lose 20 to 25% of your grade. So what's the conclusion? We grow up believing that communication is a chore, so it becomes one, and nobody, Heather, wants to get better at doing the dishes. I like doing dishes, but no, I yes. Wow. <laughs> I see your point. And laundry, is that weird? Probably what? Time I don't have to use my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, yes, um, my housemate complains about the amount of laundry I do. I say, no, it's cathartic to me. But anyway, I love that response. yes. Yes, we are conditioned that there's high stakes, especially in a doctoral program. It's not only part of your grade, your final oral defense can determine whether or not you actually get that degree. I mean, the stakes are high. 
Um, so everything you're saying makes sense and really feeds into these balls of have fun with just a few minutes a day, practice integrated into your life. And this question drill is huge, especially for students. But I'm going to say I've been invited to be on podcasts that I've declined because, frankly, I haven't done the work <laughs> to do my question drill and have these answers where I'm feeling comfortable and confident. It's a lot easier for me to say, hey, Brendan, <laughs> tell me about the three balls, right? Then actually have an articulate answer to some of these difficult questions. And as a doctoral candidate, you're going to get difficult questions. And even if it's just the one question a day, like you said, instead of cramming right before your defense, a question a day as you're working on your, your dissertation, you are honing these skills of becoming an expert. And then the answers will just fly off your lips, right? So we've, we've, we've convinced the audience to play the random, the random word game, do a question drill. You could do this in the shower. What's an operational definition of competitive anxiety? This is a student I'm working with right now, right? And just practice. For me, I don't know if this is something you recommend or not. I actually have to say it out loud. I can't say it in my head. It comes out totally different when I actually open my mouth. I completely agree. I, I would encourage... And by the way, side note, my heart is breaking that you're declining podcast invitations. Don't do that. My goodness, you're such a great communicator. You should definitely share your message. <laughs> There's like a ton of PhDs who would love to hear from you. So I'm just giving you that little encouragement. But yes, I mean, you're absolutely... It's almost as if you're reading my mind. You know, when people tell me, hey, you know, I don't have time to do the random word exercise, I literally say, uh, raise your hand if you shower every day. And if you're not raising your hand, we have a different conversation to have. But if you are raising your hand, you got 10 minutes to do the random word exercise. I don't see where you don't have time. Yes. And now that I have these, these um, very actionable techniques, Brandon, I'm going to set a date. And I'm going to do my question drill and my random word drill. And come January, watch out. You're going to see me on the um, podcast circuit, okay? I love that. <laughs> okay, so ball number three. Ball number three, Heather, is so simple that nobody does it. Make a list of the people that you love the most in your life. Could be a brother, it could be a family member, it could be a kid, it could be a close friend from college. Ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time you sent any of these people a 20-second video message just telling them how grateful you are to have them in your life? And I already know the answer for every PhD listening to this or aspiring PhD. The answer is zero. Okay, no, I don't know a single PhD that I've coached in my seven-year career so far that has been doing this without me telling them to. So what's the punchline? The punchline is we don't get rewarded for how well the video is. We just get rewarded on whether or not we do it or not. So it's a binary thing. Are we sending the video or not? So I would encourage people to start that because it really helps you make an impact on the people around you. And it also makes their day and teaches you a really valuable lesson of communication in the process about what communication is for. The reason I force people to send video messages, Heather, like that is because it unlearns what communication is for. Because we all think it's a chore. But when somebody's messaging you and says, wow, this video message really helped me, really made my day, never got one before, it teaches you that, oh, I'm actually making a difference. What I'm sharing is actually valuable. And that really helps us to, to keep going and encourages us to keep practicing our communication. That is my all-time favorite. 
because it does so many things. And I've watched a number of your YouTubes. I had heard about the random word game. I hadn't heard you talk about this one. I love this for so many reasons. And as a busy doctoral student, you probably don't take time to acknowledge all the people that are standing by you. So it's kind of, it kind of builds in this little gratitude slash random act of kindness event while you're working on your communication skill. So it just shifts the energy in your day. Exactly, Heather. And let me jump on that because you're absolutely key on this. This is why I felt I had something to say about this space, because a lot of the energy around communication, coaching and training and videos and just thought leadership in general is so negative. Like it's always around glassophobia. So for those who are listening, it's just the medical term for the fear of communication. And I was like, why are we even talking about this stuff? Like, yeah, I know all the fancy terms in my space, but it's not helping people. Whereas for me, to your point, the biggest hole in the industry that my goal is to fill is how do we shift the energy around communication? That's why the first question I ask anybody that I help is a simple one. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? That's it. We dream about the expensive vacations we want to go on, the watches, the cars, the houses, the families we want to raise. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication? And the answer for all of us listening to this, given your audience, it's all of them, is never. And I would encourage everyone listening to this pod to start today because communication is so much more than getting a promotion at work, getting a PhD and doing all this stuff. It's the way you talk to your family. It's the way that you raise your children. It's the way that you meet somebody at a restaurant and order food from the waiter. It's the way that you make new friends. It's about leading a more fulfilling life. And once we understand that, that will really motivate us to do the easy threes. You're really getting to the root. It's how we're interacting with other humans on this planet, really, which is so cool. So I am with I without a doubt, I know the audience is just waiting to hear more from you, Brendan. So, of course, I'm going to have your YouTube channel, how to connect with you on LinkedIn. But you have something really special going on that you're inviting the audience to that I'd love for you to talk a little bit about. Absolutely, Heather. Happy to do that. This is a great conversation. It's, it's rare that I get to have these types of advanced convos. So I'm glad we're having it with your audience. One point that I'll mention, and then, and then I'm happy to talk about the free training that I have for folks, is you told me something really cool before this conversation started, which is, you know, I want this audience to create an impact in the world. So I'd love to end with this story. And the story is about Brene Brown. Right? There's a lot of people who get PhDs, and then there's somebody like Brene Brown who has a PhD in social work, but then goes on to make a massive impact in the world. So what is the difference between us and Brene Brown? The difference is not as big as we think it is. The difference is only this, a willingness to take the complex and make it simple. She thought about her life, like, and I'm speaking on behalf of her, she thought about her life and said, Will a single mother who has seven kids read my dissertation? And what she realized in her life is the answer is no way. No way. She's not going to go on some academic website that probably might even have a paywall, find the research paper that Brene Brown has, and then read it, look at all the authors, look at all the, the complex jargon that some of it's in Latin or something and like not. Or, and that's the key. And all of us, as people who have strong messages and a big brain, 
the decision we need to make in this world is how big do we want to play with our impact? And that's the decision that Brene Brown made. She said, you know what? For that single mother who has seven kids, I'm going to make sure that I simplify my knowledge so much that even she can reach my message. And that's a decision I encourage all of you to be thoughtful of because that's the potential, the power that all of us listening to this podcast have to share our message. And that's my little rant for today. So for you to for you to keep in touch with me, I, I have a free workshop every two weeks that's live, that's interactive, that's super fun. And if you're shy and introverted, like I know a lot of my PhDs are, you can just jump on the call, turn off your video, and you don't have to talk. Just listen. So if you want to jump on that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. And that's my spiel. <laughs> And I love the name, Rockstar Communicator. You're in this program, listener, you are gaining all this knowledge, but it doesn't end when they shake your hand and say, congratulations, Dr. So-and-so. It really is just the beginning. And so I'm encouraging you to take time now to do these little, simple, even fun activities I can't, I'm thinking about who's going to get my first video message, Brenda. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. What a great way. I So much fun. Just do it over your coffee or your tea every morning. Whose day am I going to make today? That's good. Right? I love that question. I'm going to steal that one. It's so good. It's so true. Whose day am I going to make today? And then you'll be ready. You'll be ready at your defense. You'll be ready after to make that impact, which is probably the reason. You're in that program. Brandon, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you, and I didn't tell you I was going to do this before the show. Usually I do. But I wonder, do you have a favorite quote or some final words of wisdom that you like to leave with your audience? Absolutely, Heather. Happy to do that. So my favorite quote is actually when I invented in my basement, and I just found that it rhymes. So I'll end with that. And it has very little to do with communication, but hopefully it helps. The quote is... Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you made it all the way to the end of this episode, you probably do want to create an impact in the world. If you listen to my rant and you're still listening to this. So the point is really simple. The people who do incredible things with their life and create massive impact are often crazy people. Look at me. I mean, I started a YouTube channel in my mom's basement at the age of 22 on pranks, on music videos, no, 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 on executive communication tips. And then I built a super successful business coaching people who are double, triple my age on how to speak. Yeah, Tether, I still live in my mom's basement, not really for financial reasons, just to spend more time with her. I'm scared to drive. I karaoke in eight different languages, and I'm in the top 1% of listeners on Spotify for Justin Bieber. How does any of this make any sense at all? And that, Heather, is the point. When every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that it should, which is you, you're probably making the right decision. So be insane or be the same would be my final thought. Be insane or be the same. Great way to end this episode. Brendan, thank you. I had so much fun chatting with you today. Likewise, it's super fun. And I look forward to maybe having you back again if you're willing. Absolutely. Okay, wonderful. And I'll have all those links in the show notes below. Thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, if you're looking for more ways to invite joy into your journey, check out the free resources at expandyourhappy.com. You'll find downloads like an article I wrote titled, 
The Doctoral Journey, 12 Things You Need to Know That They Probably Won't Tell You. Based on audience request, there is a PDF that organizes all podcasts by the seven steps detailed in the Happy Doc Student Handbook, which you can also find on the website. And if you're looking for Happy Doc Student swag, I've got that too. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. And if you want to make my day, rate and review so that together we can change the way graduate education is delivered and experienced. Hey, one more thing, just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 